If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Conversations on Dance is proud to have Yumiko as a continued partner in 2021. Yumiko is a company inspired by beauty and standards. As a leader in the dancewear industry, they take great pride in their impact as a socially and environmentally conscious brand. This month, Yumiko introduced six new mesh tones available for all personalized pieces. And as a summer celebration, Yumiko is offering a special in-store discount to our New York City listeners. Show that you are subscribed to Conversations on Dance at checkout to receive a 10% discount on your in-store purchase. Visit yumiko.com for store hours and be sure to follow along on Instagram, at Yumiko, to stay up to date. Special thanks to the town of Vail for their support of the Vail Dance Festival and Conversations on Dance live podcast recordings. This episode was recorded at the Manor Vail Lodge. Take part in the Vail Dance Festival from wherever you are. On Monday, August 9th, 2021, enjoy a live stream of the festival's closing evening, Now Premieres. Featuring world premieres of works created at the festival, including the work discussed in this episode, the full evening will be available to stream on Vail Dance Festival's YouTube channel for a week. Be sure to follow Vail Dance Festival on social media for more information. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. Uh, Rebecca and I are both former dancers with the Miami City Ballet, and we are the hosts of the podcast Conversations on Dance. Um, thank you guys so much for coming out today. We've been hosting these festival forums since the beginning of the festival, and we will continue to present them each morning at the same time until the last day this coming Monday. Yes, and we are publishing all of these events after the fact on our podcast feed and on our website. We heard from some of you this morning that you're sharing with your friends who are not able to be at the festival. So um, you can find more information about our podcast. We have some cards out front if you want to check it out. Yeah. Today we are joined by Jamar Roberts, who's both a dancer and the resident choreographer at Alvin Ailey. Jamar, thank you so much for coming out bright and early. Thank you for having me bright and early. (laughs) (laughs) So since we've never had you on, we'd love to just start at the beginning where we do with all of our first time guests with um, how you first became interested in dance. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. 
I will go back to 1992. I'm originally from Miami, Florida. My family relocated to Jacksonville, Florida for a year in 92. Um, gosh, this was probably fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I met a young woman my age, young girl, I should say. Um, we kind of lived in the same, we lived in the same building, went to the same school, had a lot of the same classes. Um, mm-hmm. She was already participating in an after school dance program. And so she said, we need guys. Do you want to join? And mm-hmm. I said, sure. I had no clue what I was like, what I was getting into. <laughs> but before I knew it, it was like um, tutus and tights and <laughs> dancing to Mariah Carey. It was a really, a really cute experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then later on after that, after that year, I moved back to Miami. Um, I started at a magnet school. Um, and my elective was visual arts. So I was doing a lot of drawing, a lot of painting. I did that, I think, for an entire school year. Mm-hmm. And then there was one sort of holiday assembly where all of the arts disciplines came together to put on a performance. Mm-hmm. And um, since I was in visual arts, we just kind of like made a mural, which was the backdrop for that little <laughs> performance. Yeah. And so we would just go on stage and we took our little bow in berets <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then went back to our seats. And then right. shortly after, the dancers came onto the stage and they danced to um, that song, A Whole New World by, from the movie Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was smitten like yeah. right away. So. There was like skirts flying and the fog was on the stage <laughs> that was twirling. And I was like, I have to do that. So I think halfway through that year, I sort of switched my elective from art to dance. Mm-hmm. And then that's the ball kept rolling <laughs> from right. that point on. So I kind of, I like that your first experience was actually by like, that art aspect of it and yeah. doing the backdrop and that. So mm-hmm. did you take some time off after you moved from Jacksonville? You were kind of doing it, then you took a pause and then... I think the pause was probably when I started visual arts. Right. That was like the most pause right. that, at that yeah. time. Yeah. And so then what led you to New World School of the Arts ultimately? Well, wow. Um, so I kept dancing from mm-hmm. that point on uh, into high school. And I think my freshman year of high school, I met my... I know I still call her my dance teacher, but mm-hmm. her name's Angel. Uh-huh. I met her and um, she was just opening a studio at that time. And she was going around to different schools trying to recruit kids to come and take classes with her. Um, she found me. She told me I was talented and that she could make me better. Ah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so um, I went there and I started training with her basically until I graduated high school. Um, within that time, I was living with my grandmother and she had to convince my grandmother to allow this guy to attend New World School of the Arts. Arts, which mm-hmm. is like one of the best, um, what do you call it, arts conservatories in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so after a lot of convincing, my grandma finally allowed me to go and I entered New World in my junior year. Mm-hmm. I met uh, Peter London, who was my dance professor in the Graham Technique at that time. Mm-hmm. He um, was a dancer in the Martha Graham Dance Company and friends with um, a lot of the directors at Alvin Ailey. Mm-hmm. And so upon graduation, he called them up and he was like, I'm sending my baby up there. Mm-hmm. Ah. Take a look at him, you know what I mean, and see if you like him. And so I went. I think I was in the Ailey School for a week. <laughs> and then after that, I got into the junior company. Normally, you're supposed to be in the school a little bit longer it's just sure. to kind of like That's gain the technique and all that no but. need to do that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it seems like you kind of just fell into this um totally wonderful situation but did you ever um do you ever consider what other opportunities would have been like for instance you were training in gram technique like did mm-hmm. you ever think about that or was it just like once you got into ailey you just rode that wave oh i thought of i, th- I thought of tons of other things mm-hmm. um 
dancing in other companies, um, going back into visual art, fashion design, animation, a ton of other things. Mm-hmm. So I had a pretty, I don't know, I think my um, trajectory has been really privileged I think Mm -hmm. but at the same time I was really torn (laughs) I think like for the majority of my career of because it is something that I fell into was I never felt like I got to make a decision as to if I wanted to dance Mm -hmm. or not it was just kind of like these really great mentors kind of pushing me down the river Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of going but wait wait what about that back there Uh so I think up until like my mid 20s, I really struggled with um, just trying to accept dance as like the thing that I do professionally mm-hmm. right. and sort of like cultivate a really deep like love for it. Mm-hmm. I felt that the passion was there. You put the music on and I would just go. But when the music was off, I would just be like, oh, God, <laughs> is this really what I want to do? <laughs> so how are some of the ways when you first got to Ely and you said until your mid 20s when you were kind of like, yeah. OK, this is what I'm doing. How are you kind of cultivating some of these other passions and still kind of dipping your toe over there while you were dancing? Um, just in snatches of time. Yeah, um, I would. Uh, choreograph in the back of the room if I wasn't being used or I would draw constantly like on tour on buses on flights um just in that way and um it was really hard because every time I would um let's say if I was choreographing in the back of the studio and I wasn't being used if I felt like it was really great I'd be like gosh I should go and do this forever or if I made a great drawing I should be I would be like gosh I should go and be (laughs) the next Michelangelo or something like that I was like really intense and kind of Mm -hmm. obsessive in a lot of ways so we know that your art your passion for art um, was from a young age but when did your sort of um, aspirations as a choreographer come to the picture oh wow um Oh, I don't really know. It's it's kind of blurry. I do know that um, Angel, the woman that I, I trained with earlier on, she was really, really passionate about creative movement and creativity in dance in general. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the pieces that she would choreograph would were just like so far-fetched a lot of times. <laughs> and since we loved her, we were all sort of game for like doing whatever. And right. I think I just sort of built that habit of, or adopted that habit of... Um, uh, or the idea of dance as a form of creativity and not just a form of um, expression, right. if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it kind of happened naturally as well, yeah. I think. Um, Did you take any courses at New World School choreography? of in Choreography? No. Not, not specifically. I mean, I right. think just as a part of the curriculum, they sure, do sure. give you like comp classes. Right, but right. I but it didn't much, hit then. You no, went into it then. <laughs> no. I kind of just like um, learn by doing, by yeah, making. Right. Yeah. So then if you're learning by doing, what would you say were your inspirations? Like if you didn't take inspiration from comp class, like yeah. how did you get to that point where you're like, I want to create dances? And then what were those structures like? What were your, what sources were you feeding into it? Um, copying. Hmm. I think there's ah. a lot of cop. I've copied Pina Bausch's work. I've copied Ailey's work. I've copied Ballantine's work. I've copied. Mm-hmm. I spent like a lot of my like <laughs> younger years from I would say 18 until like, you know, like mid 20s, just yeah. kind of like seeing great work and just thinking, oh, can I do that or can I make that? Yeah. And I think it eventually just created um, a sort of stew of uh, ideas or possibilities right. or that I could pull from whenever I had my own ideas. Mm -hmm. And eventually those kind of fell away and I did sort of create my own ideas, but it was basically a lot of copying. (laughs) Um, 
sometimes I would pull from certain narratives, like if I was reading a certain book mm. or if I drew a certain drawing or a painting or something or use a certain color I think those kinds of things kind of make their way into the work but I didn't really know that until way later and right, I'm right. still kind of investigating if that's 100% true <laughs> yeah. but. so when you first joined Alvin Ailey what were some of your first um, roles that you danced maybe some of your first featured roles that you were a part of oh okay um I can think of two. One of them was uh, a piece called Divining that was choreographed by Judith Jamison. I think it was one of her, the first pieces that she choreographed when she became director of the Ailey Company. I remember. It's a really hard piece, but I remember overheating like within 30 minutes of like the <laughs> rehearsal because I was just like going so hard and like trying to be the best that I can be. Um, but when I think of featured roles, um, I think of Black Milk by Ohad Naharin because mm-hmm. Ailey is a repertory company. Right. It just so happened that um, he was setting the work Black Milk when I got into the company. I think it was my second year. Mm-hmm. And he cast me as the lead in the in the first cast. And right. I was kind of like, I don't know what that means. But um, <laughs> I like this piece. So let yeah. <laughs> me just dance it. So you did start to kind of rack up the accolades. You were uh, one of Dance Magazine's uh, 25 to Watch. Mm-hmm. You won a Bessie. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering when you have this sort of recognition, does it ever affect your artistic output, even if it's just in terms of giving you a level of confidence? No. <laughs> it doesn't. And I say that because I... Um, like we sort of established earlier, it's just something I fell into. So right. there is a there's a level of detachment from the work that I do, which yeah. sounds very strange. But <laughs> I really do feel like um, someone sort of put the stack of papers in front of me and said, here, do this work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so since I didn't make the paper itself, I didn't make the, <laughs> the documents, right. so there's, there's this level of, um, of, there's a space where I just feel like I am just doing the work that was assigned to me Mm. to do and so for that reason I feel like I can um, not let things like I don't know great accolades and awards Mm -hmm. and things like that Um, they don't really make their way into my sort of psychology or in the way that I approach my work I kind of like to keep them locked away in their own little right. <laughs> their own little closet. I'm feeling like that might be a strength for you, that you can kind of compartmentalize. Feels like it so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us, um, you've been with the company now for two decades nearly. How have you seen the company evolve during that time and change? Wow. I don't really like to speak to this just because um, there's so many decisions that I think are constantly being made mm-hmm. within that evolution or trying to sort of um, stabilize the company within its legacy and within its roots, but sure. also sort of push it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Can you ask the question again? Can I ask it again? Yes, yeah. Please. How has it changed over the past two decades? Uh, well, I think the, the, the obvious would be that the artistic direction has changed mm-hmm. from Judith Jamison to Robert Battle. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I'm getting older and the dancers around me are getting younger. <laughs> it happens. Um, but I think, I don't know, somehow it feels, I, I guess I can only speak from my perspective, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it um, feels like it's a bit more loose and a bit more free mm-hmm. for me. I think that when you've been in the company for that long and you've sort of proven to them that you have a certain level of, um, 
consistency and work ethic and sort of you're able to go out on stage and make artistic decisions that they trust it's like you sort of gain a certain amount of freedom over time so instead of being in a company a large company and feeling restricted like how it can feel sure um you begin to feel a lot more liberated. Like I think a lot of young dancers like to think that it appears. They like to sort of think that like the, the, the more that I can do, the more, the better or the more mature I'll be like the more turns that I can do, the Mm -hmm. higher my leg goes, the better dancer I am. When I really think that it's the opposite, I think the more that you can sort of let go Mm -hmm. and sort of, um, strip away all of this rigidity that is this sort of structured art form well the languages that we kind of use to express ourselves I think the more you begin to be more yourself on stage Mm -hmm. and the more that you can kind of live freely within that space I think so speaking of uh, stripping away you're talking about how in the beginning um, when you started to choreograph you would kind of um, speak in other voices, you know, yeah. as as Pina or as Balanchine or whomever. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that you have sort of a, a more established choreographic voice, what would you say some of the biggest um, attributes of that voice are? Some components of your personal style. Um, I think um, beauty is one of them. I think there are two things that are always sort of in contrast with one another: is trying to create. Um, a really beautiful image, but not so much in the conventional way. I think something that sort of um, speaks in a more holistic way. You know, not like um, I'm going to choreograph this beautiful uh, arabesque moment so right. that the audience can go ooh ah. But I think like instead of just expanding on the feeling that that moment gives and making that moment the actual feeling of the entire piece. Mm. So more of like a vibe than (laughs) (laughs) an actual, you know, distilled moment. Uh Um, And the second thing I would say is humanity. I I think Mm. that um, how we go about our day-to-day is... can be tough, but I think there's also a lot of beauty in there as well like even in the tough spots so mm-hmm. I, I think i'm always trying to bring those things to light because the more that i can sort of like show that on stage and show that like these feelings that we go through on a day-to-day basis like can't can't exist and they can exist in a way that is are is multifaceted mm-hmm. um and the more that, I don't know, I guess the viewer can look at it and be like, it's okay that I felt shitty that day. Do you know what I mean? Or <laughs> yeah. it's okay that I'm groveling in my garden here really frustrated with like right. trying to plant the flowers. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, something like that, if that makes any yeah, sense? <laughs> really, no. Um, so in 2019, you were appointed Alvin Ailey's resident choreographer. Right. You were the first person to hold that position. So is that something that you were thinking about that you were dreaming of even though the position didn't yet exist um no (laughs) kind of came as a surprise all that um in a way i mean i i before that um that sort of that moment happened where they like spoke the words right there was a period of time before that where i kind of felt like okay i feel like i am good (laughs) (laughs) i am good at this um maybe I can take this a step further, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when it happened, yes, I was surprised, um, especially by like the historical component of it. Right. 
Um, but at the same time, I wasn't just because I felt so ready mm-hmm. to do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it is quite awesome. Yeah. <laughs> really. Is there a specific moment when you felt that click where you're like, I'm, I'm good at this and I can, I can take this to the next step? Or was it sort of like over time as you continue to create? It was over time. I think that with each piece in the beginning when I'm like... Uh, conceptualizing and building ideas, I'm always like, oh, I'm so good at this. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it's actually time to execute, I'm like, oh, am I really good at this? <laughs> I was just going to work out. But that's actually the part that I love. Like, uh-huh. I love the tinkering around and I love the sort of like, um, how can I get this idea out to its fullest? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like in the exact way that I see it in uh-huh. my head, I don't really cling to that too tightly just because that can be very, uh, cause a lot of stressors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that, I think that's the goal. Yeah. Sure. So how much planning do you do ahead of, uh, um, getting I, do, I do a lot of planning. Yeah. Um, I love the planning. What does it look like for you? <laughs> it looks like reading a ton of books. Uh-huh. Um, I love to read and I think that, um, reading any kind of material, uh, kind of like helps um, it just helps me know more of what I'm talking about mm-hmm. so how can, I, how can I give an example um, let's say if I'm doing a piece about chairs I will read everything I possibly can about chairs but like really active reading there's like highlighting there's like writing it, it looks a little bit neurotic right um, <laughs> But I, 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 and I don't really hold it. I don't really hold on to it and like take this notebook into the studio and yeah, be like, right. okay, you are going to be leg one, you're leg four of the chair and you're leg three. <laughs> yeah. I just think that having the information mm-hmm. and being able to refer to it at any point in the process mm-hmm. is really great for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it means listening to the music, um, I think a year or more oh, wow. <laughs> really helps. Wow. Um, just because I, I really like to get to a point, um, well, let me go back. So I love John Coltrane's music and someone once asked him, someone once asked him, how do you listen to music or how do you listen to jazz? And he said, you listen to it one instrument at a time. So he would listen to the sax from beginning to end. He'd go back and listen to the drums from beginning to end. And he'd do that with like every single instrument. And if you can get to the point where you can literally sing the score, like hum the score to yourself from beginning to end, that's like you're married like you know that music <laughs> so I always wow. try to like go through have that kind of process with the music as yeah. much as I can I don't always get that privilege but if I can that's sort of what I like to do so I kind yeah. of like study um, uh, context music and then I go into the studio and then I can actually move if I had tried to go into the studio and make some moves without mm-hmm. having done that work I would fail right. really, really hard. Right. right. So uh, now you've had major commissions from all different kinds of companies, you know, mm-hmm. ballet, contemporary, modern. I'm wondering how do you um, adjust your own work within those within those different frameworks? Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, like using point shoes for ballet companies. Like yeah. how, how does it affect your personal artistic? I don't decisions? really know. I am still figuring that out. I mean, I, there was a moment um, where I was like. I'm not interested in ballet. I'm not interested in... How dare you? I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I do a lot of fighting with myself, constantly. It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> but, I was, but then I would say to myself, well, you have the commission, and so you have to do it. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out a way to be interested or figure out your way in. Right. Um, and for me, right now, what I've sort of gathered is just kind of um, jump into ballet. Yeah. Like, I'm not... <laughs> 
so much thinking that I'm going to like merge my, I don't know, modern contemporary style with ballet. Mm -hmm. If it happens, it happens. But I think as of now, I'm just seeing it as ballet being uh, a different set of tools. You Mm -hmm. know, I used to work with pencil and now I'm sculpting, Mm -hmm. but it's all in an effort to make the same images or the same, to speak about the same things that I always, I always do. So you're talking about this preparation that you do. That's very on an intellectual level, right? You're reading, you're understanding the music. And then when you get in the studio, the movement comes, how much collaboration do you do with the dancers in front of you? Like if you are working with ballet dancers, for example, do you kind of like play off each other or are you really like, I know what I'm going to do and this is what we're going to do. I like to leave room for that. If Mm -hmm. there is room within the the allotted time that I'm making the piece, but in general, I do a lot of stuff by myself in yeah. the studio before I go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really painful. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes I'm asking myself to do things that I can't really do, but I know that the dancers that I'm going to work with can do it. Uh-huh. Right. Um, but I go and do it anyway. <laughs> um, so I do a lot of work beforehand, mm-hmm. unless I'm being given a lot of time to make the work. So if they're like, you have three months to make it, then mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't prepare so much. But mm-hmm. I think to get like a really solid product, it would it benefits me to kind of do right. some yeah. pre-work. Is some of your pre-work ever um, some visual art that you do? Are you ever dabbling in that to no, inspire? No. no. I mean, I, I get asked that a lot. Yeah. I Well, I think that it may work in the opposite way. So it's not like... Um, I'm going to draw the choreography at like the moves that I'm doing. It's like my body then becomes like a pencil or like a oh. paintbrush. And so a lot of, I don't know, more gestural things or the way that I would like articulate my leg would probably be the same way that I would go um, make a swift, I don't know, curve with uh, a paintbrush or something right. like that. Right. Okay. So now that you're so in demand as a choreographer and you're still dancing, <gasps> mm-hmm. um, how do you find an outlet for this side of you as a visual artist? Um, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first time that I, I drew for the first time on the plane over here to Vail, um, gosh, before that, it, it's probably been like two years. Really? Wow. I mean, like a really like good sit down where it's just like me drawing the things that I want to draw. I've done a couple costume designs before then, uh-huh. but that feels very like obligatory. Right. Right? right. Yeah. Do you feel like you want to go back to your roots and maybe do a backdrop or something like that for one of your pieces? <laughs> I'm open to it, yeah. But um, it would really, I would really have to feel compelled to do that, right? Mm -hmm. It would have to be for good reason, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, like Michael mentioned, you are very much an in-demand choreographer, and a lot of this was kind of starting to um, pick up momentum right before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So, how did you kind of deal with like, okay, I had a lot of things coming up, and now that's shut down. Am I still going to have this momentum? after everything kind of calms down and dance returns? Um, No, I never thought of that. Um, I feel like the feelings that were sort of going on inside of me because of the pandemic were like momentum enough. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know. I really really wasn't thinking so much about about that. Um, And I have been really um, fortunate in, in a way where I've never had to go to a company and ask them for work. So everything mm-hmm. has always mm-hmm. just come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of trust that. And I, and I, um, wasn't really concerned, I suppose. I mean, I was, I was working, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I was doing things like the entire time, right. but they were things that 
were naturally just sort of flowing in, even though we were in this moment of standstill. Right. Yeah. One adjustment that almost every dancer and choreographer had to make this past year and a half was um, getting used to dance on film. Yeah. So what was it like? Had you ever worked with that medium before? And what's your... Only on my phone on. with like apps. Right. Um, but I, I loved the moments of it that mm-hmm. I've been engaged with it. Um, I think it's great. I think it really gives uh, the viewer... Um, more than a front row seat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I really think capturing all of the sort of nuances of, of dance and like emotion and expression. You get to see the hair fly, you see the eyelash blink mm-hmm. like up close. I, I love all that stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it allows you opportunities like the film you did with New York City Ballet with Dura Bray in yeah. the fountain. Like mm-hmm. that, you can't bring a fountain on stage at State Theater. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing here at the Vail Dance Festival. We want to hear all about it. Oh my gosh, what am I doing? I feel like it, it all started so long ago. Um, oh, did it? Tell us about that. When did you start working on it? Oh, I don't have any actual dates for you, but I do know that it was <laughs> months ago while. when oh. I got this email from Damien okay, uh-huh. yeah, that yeah. said, would you like to choreograph for, for the festival? And I said, of course. Mm-hmm. I think I would dance here myself in the festival back in 2000. Something. Some singular number, <laughs> nine, eight. <laughs> um, and so I, I knew the spirit of the festival is always so, so wonderful. Um, but being asked to come as a choreographer was a little bit, I was, I, I don't know, I was kind of like happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because I know the way that he sort of curates these programs and a lot of special things happen up here on the stage, mm-hmm. um, especially with collaborations. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he paired me with Ballyx mm-hmm. and a composer by the name of Taishan Sori, and um, that was it. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Philly to Ballyx and worked with him for a week uh, with a score that I had received maybe a week before. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was super complicated. I could not hum the score from beginning to end before I walked into the studio. (laughs) But I love that. Like, I love love that challenge. And those dancers are so talented. And they're such wonderful people. They just kind of made it really easy for me in a way. Mm -hmm. So Calvin Morello III will also be appearing. And Calvin. How can I forget Calvin? Yes. So Calvin is... How did that work? Damien. He just kind of hooked it all up. Mm -hmm. But... um, Calvin did come to uh, Philly, <clears throat> sorry, with me uh, to make the piece there mm-hmm. with Ballet X. And it, it was like wonderful. Like everything was wonderful. I, <laughs> I like to feel like, I don't know, Calvin's like a mood. He is it's a mood. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, true. it's like I can like approach him with like, oh, my choreographer self. But like mm-hmm. once you kind of like feel the kind of like mood or like the warmth of him it kind of like makes you like sit a little bit more comfortably or like relax a little bit yeah and so i think that we um worked really well together he and i and and the company and everything Mm -hmm. just went really smoothly as we understand there's an interesting story behind the score that you're using that it kind of came out of the pandemic yeah yeah and so that probably since it was a newer work there was no way that you really could like you're saying listen to it absolutely yeah so how does um how do you, is that something you like being assigned the music or do you normally like to choose the music? Normally I choose the music, but I can't, I can say that I like it because that's what I do normally. Right. Um, I'm not opposed to being assigned yeah. music. I think that it's a fun challenge. Yeah, challenge, yeah. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about what the audience can expect from your piece? Oh, well, the piece itself is not, um, 
this sort of linear narrative in any way. It's extremely abstract, um, as is the score. I think I very much tried to um, <clears throat> match the identity of the work to that of the score. Mm-hmm. Um, so and the score kind of like it kind of flip flops like the modes and like tones of it kind of shifts mm-hmm. and the piece kind of follows suit. So at one moment you're really in this very melodic, uh, it feels like, uh, I don't know, Tchaikovsky type mm-hmm. moment. And then mm-hmm. it kind of like shifts over into this very minimalist kind of John Cage kind of moment. Right. Um, which is really tricky for mm-hmm. me, but also a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I named the work... Uh, for Ulysses Dove. Mm. Um, when I received the score from Tyshawn, it was titled for Courtney Bryan. Mm. And I was like, who is Courtney Bryan? <laughs> and I always like to do research into the composer and figure out why they made the music. Where was the music made? Mm-hmm. What is this title about? So, of course, I Googled her. And she <laughs> seems to be a fellow musician of his. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, since, you know, in the spirit of dedications who would I name this piece for and so it was Ulysses Dove Mm -hmm. who um, was an African-American choreographer that was really um, I don't know making a lot of work in in the ballet scene at one point Um, he made his last piece on New York City Ballet in 1994 and I feel like he kind of like paved the way for me to be here in a lot of ways so Mm -hmm. I said let's just do that so (laughs) since um, Red Angels was Mm -hmm. the last work that he made and that's the one that I'm the most familiar with Mm -hmm. I kind of costume the piece in all red just so that it can be a very obvious you know right. yeah. homage to to him and so that's yeah. kind of it mm-hmm. what are your feelings um being back in a theater with a live audience like is it a very um poignant moment for you or does it just feel like we're back and we're in the work again um it feels like both mm-hmm. because you definitely have to do the work yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time it's it's so it's so beautiful like a lot of people um, are asking me after I've seen a live performance, um, how did you like the work? And even if it's like a bad work or a work that I didn't like, it's hard to say I didn't like it just because like it's been so long since you've seen like, I don't know, since I've like sat and watched like the spirit of dance, like do mm-hmm. its thing like across right. the stage and kind of like knowing what all of that work is and getting that, that, that on the stage yeah. and, and how, it's really a team effort. And I don't know, I just think the whole business of it right now and sort of watching is, is so beautiful and I can't really say <laughs> too many bad things at yeah, this moment. Just because it's been such a feat, you know right, what I mean, yeah. to get to this point. So. Yeah. So just for our last question, um, if you had a dream project that you could put together, you have, no, no, there's oh, no. Go for it. Oh. Go for it. Um, go for you it. have no budget. <laughs> the sky's the limit. You could use whatever dancers you want. You could do whatever you wanted. What would you do? I don't it's too complicated, maybe. It's a very open question. <laughs> um, I've, I mean, this isn't anything new, but I've definitely one. I, the biggest idea that I've I've thought of was mm-hmm. to like take a novel and sort of adapt it into mm-hmm. into a ballet. Would that be like a full length evening? Yeah. yeah, it may even be like a part one is on Friday, part two is on oh, Saturday. Oh, come back for part <laughs> two. Very the ring good. The cycle for ballet. <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, but yeah, that's that's a huge question that I've been asked before, and that's yeah. why when you were asking it, I was kind of shaking my head like, um. oh my gosh. Um, I don't really know. I honestly have a, a tough time dreaming big. Yeah. Um, I think I I just come from a place of of... 
um, I didn't have a lot growing up. And so mm-hmm. I've just learned how to like make a lot with a little. Mm-hmm. And so the concept of like, here is everything. <laughs> right. And you know what I mean? It's, it's really tough for me to wrap my head yeah, around. But um, I think when the opportunity comes, I will seize the moment as if yeah. mm-hmm. it's always <laughs> been an option. I love it. <laughs> Would you say you like parameters then? I know certain choreographers I do. say they need that. Structure. I don't need it, but I do like them. Okay. Uh-huh. I think they're cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think at this point we can take um, some audience questions if anyone has anything they'd like to ask. Yes. What are your favorite novels? Mm. that's tough that's like what's your favorite song um, <laughs> um i used to read uh haruki murakami novels a lot i love um fiction um oh favorite novels tony morrison anything um milan kundera has a novel called the book of laughter and forgetting i think is really beautiful um There's are, there are tons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I, I often wonder how you get started and come up with a shape or a form for a new ballet. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about In Memory, which is something you did for the Campanelli mm-hmm. Gala. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank so you. Powerful piece. But how to decide that it will take that shape, that form? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that excerpt was um, a film that I made myself that was actually a larger, a larger work. Um, it was in tribute to John Lewis. Um, I think that one, actually, conceptually, that was probably a little easy because I was thinking of his journey and like the fight for civil rights. And I think that when you think of that, you think of black and white footage. You think of the kind of clothes that they wore during that time. So in terms of uh, setting and the the character within the film, it was pretty easy to embody. But um, in other works, I don't know. It all just kind of comes. I think that if you sort of sit with your idea long enough and really hold tight to it because if you have an active mind like 50 other ideas will try to come in but I think like just have to find the one that you really sort of believe in and I think eventually everything just kind of rolls along those same lines do you ever have kind of like writer's block for a choreography and how do you kind of manage that no no I just love making dances I love it 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 just like comes yeah I mean I think I'm better at making like actual steps, like movement vocabulary. I can make steps for hours. Mm-hmm. But the only thing that I felt like I was really weak at is sort of like concepts, like what is happening here. So I, I like to really um, nail down that. I kind of beat myself up about it a little too much. But like I'm always asking, like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Where is this happening? When uh-huh. is this happening? And sense. I think that those are important yeah. questions to ask yeah. all the time. <laughs> right here. I'm curious about your own desire to perform. So are, in terms of performance and balancing that with choreography, when you're choreographing, for example, do you think of performing some of that yourself? No, never. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. You're done. <laughs> I'm not done. I just think that um, <laughs> I ask a lot of dancers. I ask more than I would want to do my own self physically. Um for various reasons, sometimes I may feel they need the challenge, or sometimes it's just an intricate thing that I'm trying to figure out. But I don't ever feel like I want to dance my own work so much just because I'm putting so much into it. And so aesthetically, I want to be able to see it. I want to be able to like, mm-hmm. sit back and sort of like watch it play out. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah. 
Yes. Do they ever say, that's too hard? <laughs> if you think I can do that, you, you better show me how. <laughs> I, no, I've never gotten that. But I'm also really nice <laughs> in the studio. Yeah. I would never ask a dancer to do something that was like too too crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's making me think, how much do um, the actual dancers you're working with, um, their individual talents... How much does that come into play with you? Like, okay, this person is a beautiful jumper. I'm going to utilize that, for instance. Um, I've been asked that before. Uh, not so much. Um, because oftentimes, if it's not the Ailey dancers, I don't know a lot about the dancers that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. And so I won't discover that they're a good jumper until I just happen to ask them to do a jump. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, you can jump. <laughs> but I won't continue just add jumps everywhere sure. i'll just be like you did that one jump very well uh-huh. let's just continue <laughs> to do the thing <laughs> great mm-hmm. yes so this is a question i'm sure you've had over and over and over again go for it revelations yeah <laughs> i gotta imagine that could be both inspiring and oppressive at times mm-hmm. i wonder if you're how you felt about it when you first got to the company and how that changed as you were yeah, when I first got into the company, that's probably the most oppressive it's ever felt because I was like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, as time went on, and I've actually danced a couple different roles within that work, it just becomes more, it feels like a, that moment after a really long day where you get to just sit on your couch, mm-hmm. it kind of feels like that. It's like comforting, right. you know it, yeah. and it's giving you a lot mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, I don't, I think healing is like kind of too deep of a word, but mm-hmm. I'll just go ahead and use it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like the, the, the life raft, you know, like at the end of a very long program, now, you've probably danced like three or four pieces before right. that. So it's the one piece where you can actually like <sighs> sit in and like know everything about, about it and just kind of like feel it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone else? So when you mentioned Ulysses Dove, my first thought was, well, of course he's someone we merged from the LA company. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then I started doing the math. Am I right that you would not have known him? You are correct. And you never even saw him dance. Absolutely. I've never seen him dance to this day. I've I've watched a couple a couple of interviews of him speaking, but there aren't that many. Mm-hmm. Um I think the the there's one where he's talking with Charlie Rose is the mm-hmm. one where I got the most information out of, but yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I think there are a couple of his works within the Ailey rep. <clears throat> so I know him through through his work and through the older dancers that have passed the work down and the words that you know mm-hmm. they got from him. Did you use any of those, um, any inspiration from the dances that he's created that you've danced and then kind of infuse that in it all? That's a really cute question because I thought of it. <laughs> um, but I did not. Maybe it's too on the nose. That's what I, yeah. I don't know. I was definitely in that space, <laughs> right. but I just kind of like went and did my thing. And I said, you know, if it's going to come out, it's going to come out. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think it came out <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> yes. Do you have a preferred kind of music that you enjoy? 
Um, yeah, as the, the most complex. Um, for me, I think jazz is really complicated and really sophisticated and awesome for all those reasons. Mm -hmm. So I like to use it a lot. And I also like to use it because I guess I'm trying to make a point to say that, you know, these musicians of this music within this genre are also masters mm -hmm. and geniuses, just mm -hmm. as well as Beethoven and Mozart. Right. And I think to hear their voices within dance has just been nearly non-existent. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if it is, it's sort of used in this very kind of like campy way. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love to use that music for because I like it and also because I'm really trying to like bring those artists forward and like into the fold and like bring their voices into dance and just yeah. trying to get people to get into it. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Any other questions? <clears throat> no. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. That was actually really fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it's a really great early. time with you. Thank we you, everyone. We can to see your, your new work. So we hope thank everyone comes out to see it. Yes. Thank Monday. you, guys. Thank you. Special thank you to Tom Boyd for producing this episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.